0: grandest spectacle, the greatest show of all, Johnny Bang Bang Show. Here's your host, Robert Right he's right, it's me, it's me, I am the one and only Ladies and gentlemen, as always, Robert Gifford's the name, Johnny Bang Bang Show is the game Welcome back to episode 13 of the JBB Show I'm here, you're here, JBB Nation, we are ready to roll What a week it's been, I don't think I've seen four Shows A stretch of four shows for the WWE as good as they've been like this in a very, very long time. Going back all the way to back to NXT of last week, the way the show ended with Scarlett Bordeaux coming out with Adam Cole in the middle of the ring and just simply flipping over the hourglass. What a sweet image, what a sweet image, just set up what they're going to have to go or to do to going down the road. Um, what's interesting about that, just jumping right into it here is, uh, you know, Adam Cole's contracts coming up. So there's a couple different ways this whole thing can play out. I thought Velveteen Dream might end up beating him, beating him at the NXT takeover in your house. It did not happen. Adam Cole remained. And I think it's because now they are going to drop the belt to carry and cross. And I honestly, I can't think of a better person to do that. I, I, I looked at Velveteen dream to win only for the fact that I was like, you know what? Kind of like a legacy title at the NXT, um, uh, ranking, I feel like now that uh, they've decided to not go that route, Adam Cole remains. Adam Cole is going to have to make a decision with his with his future. Is it main roster? Is it AEW? Is it somewhere else? How can you leave a company that has, quite frankly, made you the star you are? Now, I see it happen all the time. Uh I know I say all the time, but I see it happen. And John Moxley has been successful in doing so. Uh, he's he said that he'll never come back as Dean Ambrose. Now, uh, all things you know are yet to be seen, you know, and you have to wait. But Adam Cole is one of those guys that I believe is going to stick around with the WWE. But we've been shocked before, so. We'll have to time will tell on that one. But uh, I I, I thought that was just a great example of an NXT. uh, uh, You know, they end up losing AEW in the ratings, but that's not the point. The show was good. It was a more than good effort. It was a great effort. And there was a lot of things on that show uh, to talk about. Then you had Friday Night SmackDown. You had your culmination of the Intercontinental Championship uh, Tournament, Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, and what everybody believed to be the best match of 2020. It wasn't even the best match of the weekend, and that has to do with the greatest wrestling match ever, the backlash pay-per-view that took place on Sunday. When you put that type of pressure on yourselves with Edge and Orton, and we're going to get a little bit into this here in a second, but Edge and Orton put the pressure on themselves. The company put the pressure on them, and those two guys more—absolutely more than was up to the task. They, they, the pacing in the match, the way they set up their their the finishes, the way they used other people's finishes, the way um, the the match started. Um, then you get on top of it. You add in all the you know little production tricks that they put in place, you know, with uh, Howard Fink, well, Howard Fink starting the show off with the Madison Square Garden, uh, old time Mikey coming, dropping down. And then you had the crowd noise pumped in. And then you the one thing that was very glaring to me to start the show or to start the match was uh, I, as soon as I'm sitting there, I'm looking at the old time referee outfit, the, the long sleeve blue button down with the, the black uh, bow tie. It was just one of those things where I was like, okay, okay, what are they doing with that? And then you saw the Howard Fink um, introduce Edge and Orton, and then you got the crowd noise, and then you got the different camera angles. I loved everything they did to. I, to me, this is the time to take those t- types of chances. I thought it added to the match. Um, I a lot of people are giving a grief to... Um, to the announce table for setting this up and kind of instead of us just being surprised, they kind of softened the blow a little bit. I think they had to, because you know how critical we are as a universe. If they didn't do that, we would have, we would have shit all over that. It would have been, it would have been too many distractions without enough preparation or uh, um, caution coming to us. And it's just one of those things that uh, maybe you're damned if you do damned if you don't, but I think it was, it was needed so that we were prepared. Um, Now let's dive into that match the way it started with the quick pace and then just kind of the you know the quick nature of uh, Randy Orton constantly being the better wrestler outwitting his opponent outwitting edge frustrating edge early because edge is a wrestler who fights with his emotion he fights with his heart he fights with his grit it's all passion randy orton is not that he is meticulous he is smart it is all brains, it's all upstairs, and he's always cool, calm, and collected, and more importantly, he's in control. And when you're in control, then you have full ownership and domination of your opponent. And I thought I thought they displayed that type of storytelling in this match perfectly. Now, are, are we gonna say it was the greatest wrestling match ever? No, nope. but I'll tell you what you did get. You got the greatest camera angles that they've had of this pandemic. You've had the greatest crowd noise that they've had of this pandemic, albeit pumped in or not. It actually didn't take away from it so much that, uh, I actually thought it added to it. It gave me, um, you know, David McGregor could talk about how it gave him goosebumps. It just gave me that feel that there, that this match was worthy of a hundred thousand people. Um, you had the greatest announcing work done to this date by Samoa Joe. Now, granted a lot of people might not have picked up on this but you had uh you had them piping in there they had to voice over their announcing because at times when you look to the table Samoa Joe would be talking on camera but all right Samoa Joe would not be talking on camera but then you could hear him talking as if he was talking on camera so clearly that was voiced over I don't care it didn't take away from the match to me It is what it is. We all know what situation we're in. We're nowhere near out of this pandemic, and I I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel anytime soon. So we just have to continue to deal with these types of things. But what is great is that maybe the consistency of what our standard of excellence is in these shows hasn't been there since day one of the pandemic, but you are getting these special little gems You know, it started with me with WrestleMania 36 and the way that they did the uh, Boneyard match. And then it followed up the next night with the Firefly Funhouse. And then we down the road, we ended up getting the uh, stadium stampede match out of AEW. And then again, last night, you got the greatest wrestling or on Sunday, you got the greatest wrestling match ever, which to me was the greatest wrestling match of all time in a pandemic. Now. That match on its own with a normal crowd there, who knows? Who knows? Maybe it steals the top spot from, in my opinion, the greatest wrestling match of all time. And that is WrestleMania 25 between the HBK and The Undertaker. Just uh, it was in the middle of the card. Nobody really expected it to. Well, I think anybody would have gave it credit to steal the show, but nobody really expected it to go to the lengths that it did. And The, only, the reason that was, and there is no bigger Heartbreak Kid fan than me, the reason that was is because Shawn Michaels has a way of always being a credible opponent no matter who he's fighting whether he was in his 20s, 30s or pushing 50 Shawn Michaels always had that credibility on him and when he when he fought the undertaker and was fighting for the streak people legitimately believed that he could win the streak or he, that he could that he could win but and, and, and the streak and that was that was crucial to that match's success because without that That match is not a a 10 star out of 10 star match. It's not one that lives up You don't get those reactions those finishes those false finishes that you got. They don't they don't sit the same so Definitely. I thought the match between orton and edge was was the greatest wrestling match ever during a pandemic. I definitely think it would have held its own. It's it could be up there in a top 10, top 20 of matches. It just, it really does need that live crowd to push it over the top. So who knows, but I know that we're going to remember this match and that's what, that's, what's crucial. And that's why it tops Daniel Bryan and, and AJ Styles effort from Friday. And man, was that one hell of an effort. AJ Styles did end up winning that and becoming a new intercontinental champion. But getting back to the backlash, Randy Orton and, and Edge, did anybody hear Randy Orton drop an F-bomb and say, I'm going to F and kill you when he was crawling on the broadcast table? I could swear that's what he said. If you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, in the, uh, somewhere in the middle of that match, they go to the broadcast table and Randy Orton does what he does. He slithers on top of his opponent and he starts whispering. And I swear it sounded like he said, I'm going to F and kill you. I don't know if that was something that they didn't bleep it out. They absolutely could have done that. It was taped, so you could have re-recorded it. They didn't do that. It. You go back and listen to it. You guys, let me know at JBB Nation on Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. Please somebody reach out to me. Let me know exactly what you heard because I am I am trying to uh, I'm trying to wrap my head around that one. I can't make it out to be anything different than that. It's, it goes back to uh, I know that WWE is not going to be comfortable dropping f bombs, and nor should they. But last night on Monday Night Raw, ooh, what did MVP say to Lana? The WWE just just okay MVP calling Lana a thought, T H O T parents cover your kids ears right now because that stands for that hoe over there. And I'm a 100% well, 99.9% sure that that's what MVP called Lana, which is what pissed Lana off. I, I genuinely believe that was Lana's real reaction. She said, don't call me or speak to me that way ever again. I thought they actually had pretty good verbal back and forth, but getting back to the week that was four great programs by WWE I just thought that I haven't seen a stretch like this since maybe Wrestlemania weekend from Wrestlemania 34 it was just pretty good it was more than good it was a great effort and especially during these trying times let's get into Monday Night Raw last night Monday Night Raw, you started the show off with the Orton Christian segment. This show last night was jam-packed to the top with a lot of intricate storytelling. And you need storytelling right now to get by when you don't have massive mega superstars on your show. Right now, you're you're only looking at about two or three guys that can really carry the show on their own, um, and maybe a girl or two. That's... And those guys aren't even at mega superstar levels, the rocks, the stone colds, the HBKs, the takers, the, the, the angles, the triple H's, those guys don't exist right now. You know, outside of a Brock Lesnar, who's still a part-time wrestler, those guys don't exist. Roman Reigns, not there. Seth Rollins, isn't there. They're the superstars of the show. They're the best you have right now. And I think they could hold their own if they were ever given a chance to go up against those whales. But right now you don't have that mega stu- superstar. Even Becky Lynch isn't a mega superstar. She's a superstar, but she's not on that level. She's not on that Mount Rushmore, that holy grail type, you know, top tier. She is in the top 2 or she's on that second tier with the rest of those other other guys that were aforementioned, but Raw was good. Raw was more than good. I'd say it was it was to the pretty good to almost great for the storytelling alone they started the show off with Orton and uh, Christian Christian came out to uh, stand up for his friend as uh, Randy Orton dropped a promo. That was, uh, well, it was beautiful to say the least, you know, you're just kind of casually sitting in your chair, watching the show. And then all of a sudden you, you hear, uh, Randy Orton say, uh, I'll see you in the year 2029 when he was talking about, you know, how it took edge nine years to recover from the 2010 beatings. Well, He's saying, I hope to see you down the road nine years from now. I, it's just one of those lines that is just absolutely, uh, you know, it's daggers to the ears. I popped when I heard it. I uh, was very happy to hear it because it's one of those things that take you from, okay, you have my attention to, okay, now you really have my attention. So I thought it was a good promo. Christian came out to stick up for his friend. Orton said, no, you're not medically cleared. You have just as many issues as he does. Basically says, I challenge you to an unsanctioned match at the end of the night. It will expire. Do you accept or do you not? Throughout the night, Christian would then be confronted by multiple different legends of the years past. Ric Flair, big show himself. He was contemplating whether or not he should do it or not. He would go back and forth, getting advice from multiple different efforts of people. The one that sticks out here is Ric Flair. Ric Flair telling him, basically pleading with him, don't do this. Don't do this. At the end of the night, Big Show had kind of talked Christian into it. As a man, you got to do what you got to do. You got to stick up for yourself. And Randy Orton was standing in the middle of the ring at the end of the night waiting for Christian. And Christian did eventually come out and accept the challenge after telling Rick, saying, Rick, I appreciate what you're trying to do, man. I know Randy Orton is in this, you know, this. He's back to his old ways. He's punting people. He's vicious. He's, you know, he's the legend killer. But I have to stick up for my friend. Rick pleaded with him. Christian didn't listen. He went out to the ring. They got into a stare down in the middle of the ring. Ric Flair decided to come out. It looked as if Rick was going to protect Christian and once again try to talk him out of it. And I think everybody that watched the show might not know why. Rick did what he did, and here's a spoiler if you haven't seen it yet, but the low blow of the year so far came from Rick Flair, the dirtiest player in the game. He low blowed Christian, sending him to his knees, allowing Randy Orton to back up and punt the skull and therefore knocking Christian out for good. And Randy Orton would go on this this tirade of comments, just basically saying why were you out here? Why did you make me do what I did? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for putting you out of your misery and ending your story when I didn't want to end your story. I wanted to end Edge's story. So great storytelling as always. Um, it's interesting here because now you have that why factor. Why did Ric Flair do what he did? Well, in my opinion... It's because A, you've got the, the common bond ties always for Christian, or I'm sorry, for Ric Flair and Randy Orton that go all the way back to evolution. Once you're a brother, you're always a brother, just like Christian was trying to do for Edge. Ric Flair was doing the same damn thing for Randy Orton. Not that he needed to. The other theory is is that he was that was the only way that he could he could save Christian is to allow him to take one punt to the head when a low blow. I I don't know if I subscribe to that theory, but maybe there's an element to that that they're going to come back and share with us on next week's Raw. You know, the other thing could be, damn you for not listening to me. I told you. I told you. You know, if you think Randy Orton's bad, don't forget who who you're talking to. I'm Ric Flair. You don't just dismiss my thoughts. So there's a lot of different angles they can go with it. All of them good. And uh, what's interesting here, though, is that there was a segment, and this is the part 18 minutes into this show now, that I want you guys to listen to. There was a part earlier in the show, a segment between Ric Flair and his daughter, Charlotte, as he talked about just basically blowing smoke up her ass, how great she is. She's kind of downplaying it, saying, yeah, Dad, I know, I know. And I think there's going to be a... I don't want to necessarily say that there's going to be a turn from heel to face for Charlotte, Because Rick asked his daughter, and there's this little line. Rick asked his daughter, is there anybody that gets under your skin and annoys you? And in that moment, it genuinely looked like Charlotte was with her nonverbal saying that Rick Flair, her father, was annoying her. Then you add in the element at the end of the night where Rick goes out there and helps Randy. I'm telling you, they have done a more than superb job setting up Randy Orton for whoever and whatever down the road. He is back to maybe the most vindictive he's ever been. And yes, if it feels like I'm going somewhere, it's because I absolutely am. You go back to the earlier segment where Charlotte is downplaying her dad's compliments and almost seemingly getting annoyed by her father's uh, just just be presence being there. This absolutely feels that we are setting something up for SummerSlam and it feels, and this is where I drop you with some, just a pipe bomb, like it's going to be Randy Orton versus Charlotte. Now let me connect the dots. Let me, let me help you understand exactly how we're going to get there. You had the earlier segment with Ric Flair and Charlotte. She seems annoyed. Rick Flair goes out there and helps Randy Orton for a reason really unknown at this point, but did, he didn't need to. He just did. Randy Orton, where does he go now? Christian's gone, edge is gone for a while. He actually in real life did tear his tricep muscle, clear off the bone. Where does somebody like Randy Orton go now? You heard him say yesterday, another comment made that sticks with me, is you heard him say yesterday that I don't need a title. Okay, well, that lets me know that he's going to be nowhere near the title picture. Nor should he be at this moment. I'd love to see Drew McIntyre versus Orton down the road. Maybe WrestleMania 37, hopefully in front of a crowd of 100,000 and me being one of them. So then let's see, how could we get there? Well, Charlotte just dropped the NXT Women's Championship. Charlotte does not need any more titles. Here's another line that was dropped. Rick Flair tells his daughter, you don't need any more credentials. You already are the most credentialed women wrestler of all time, woman wrestler of all time. Where does Charlotte go? Who's next for Charlotte? And if there's any female on the card, stature-wise, wrestling-wise, toe-to-toe promo-wise, that can step into a ring and do an intergender match, well, damn it, I think you got one in Charlotte Flair. Why not? Why not set up an intergender wrestling match between Randy Orton and Charlotte Flair? Oh, my goodness. You talk about eyeballs from around the world. Now, this has already been done. You have a women's, well, you have a, you have a champion. And Tessa Blanchard, she's not just the women's champion. She is their heavyweight champion on NWA which is interesting, absolutely interesting. What I reference that for is because you have a a champion, Tessa Blanchard, who she's having intergender matches, but it's not on the grand scale where you're going to have as many eyeballs as the WWE does. But it it is being done, it is taking place, and it's being accepted. Now, let's talk about this for a second. Randy Orton versus Charlotte Flair, let's say they set it up for SummerSlam, the biggest event of their summer. Well, you're going to have eyeballs, check. People are definitely going to watch. It's going to get the outside viewer to come in, check. Vince McMahon just did a great job promoting Backlash because I had people telling me that they never watch wrestling, but they were curious if this was going to be the greatest wrestling match ever. It wasn't, but it was so good enough that you really can't downplay it and shit on it like people wanted to. Randy Orton versus Charlotte Flair would be very, very interesting. So here's what I must say. Here's what I'm getting at. If Charlotte Flair fights Randy Orton at SummerSlam, here's what you need to know. I don't know how that match is going to come out. I don't know if Randy Orton survives a loss from Charlotte Flair. I don't know if that makes me sexist to say that. And what I mean is that how can somebody like Randy Orton go on this tear and then lose to Charlotte Flair? Well, Maybe Charlotte Flair is the only technical wrestler, female wrestler on the card where it actually is believable. You know, they're not going to go out there and have a melee. Nobody actually believes Charlotte Flair could hang with, Rick, or with Randy Orton when it comes to throwing punches. But when it comes to technical wrestling, you might be able to convince me that Charlotte Flair could win that match straight up. Now, will they throw in a caveat? Would Ronda Rousey come out at that time? A lot of things, a lot of outs they can do. But I do think you could survive a straight-up wrestling match where just uh, Charlotte Flair outsmarts him. Maybe it ends in a small package type thing, and uh, Randy Orton could survive that. I think it's interesting. I think it's the most interesting thing we can talk about. And more than that, I think it's going to freaking happen. Charlotte Flair, Randy Orton, SummerSlam 2020. It is time for one more first time, and I believe that to be at this year's SummerSlam. Ladies and gentlemen, a lot more to get into on the show from last night. Just not enough time to get into it all. I thought it was a great show. Zelina Vega, I love the Viking Prophets. Angel Garza and and Andrade are going to break up, or are they not? I don't know, but either way, it seems to be something I'm supposed to care about. They haven't had enough success for me to care about it. I do love those guys individually. I love them together. If they would just give them some success, let them beat some people, but it doesn't seem to be in the cards right now. Um, Viking Profits. And is this guy Shaq? I don't know. The ninja for the uh, Akira Tazawa. I'm not sure. It looks like Shaquille O'Neal. I'm not 100% sure. He's just this massive figure. So they're doing some interesting things there. And then, of course, Drew McIntyre, uh, Bobby Lashley, Lana, MVP, our truth. I thought they all have a great storyline going on right now. Very, very excited for next week's Raw, which is something I haven't been, I haven't literally looked forward to something in a very, well, I don't want to say a very long time, but as far as Raw goes, they've got my attention now. Let's see if they can, let's see if they can maintain it. That's all we got for today's show. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is always is Robert Gifford. This is the Johnny Bang Bang show. If you like what you hear, here's what we have to do. We're going to be bringing you some YouTube content this week and next week and for the foreseeable future. We're going to be giving you something called the three count. Now, in wrestling, the three count term is you're down for one, two, three seconds. We're going to give you something that's just called three minutes of what you need to know, basically. And I'll sit down in front of a camera and we'll discuss those things. It'll be a three-minute show. If you like what you see, please, as always, what you do with the show, if you like what you hear, hit the follow, like, or subscribe button we got to get this thing going. We're going to start engaging with you guys on a more engaged level. We're hopefully going to start taking this show live so we can start taking phone calls. You can see my face. I can hopefully hear from you. We can get more public engagement. That is what this show is about. It is not just for me. It is for you. It's the reason I created it is to get closer to the wrestling community. Very excited for the future of all things wrestling. I will see you again on Thursday morning when we talk NXT and AEW. Very excited for both those shows and uh, see what Cody Rhodes and who he's going to fight this week for the TNT Championship. As always, we'll see you down the road, folks. Appreciate it.